definitely call you back later then. Come on, wrap it up. Big sharp it up. Okay, you don't wrap up the circle thing. Come on. Commissioner Parker, wrap it up, please. Okay. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. That's a wrap. It's our time on the Pensacola Morning News, and we talk about all the things that happened this week with a couple of uh, well, normally I say a couple of friends. I have to say a new friend right now. Uh, so we got uh, Danny Zimmern here, and he's not a new friend. He's an old friend. Um, the president of Pensacola Mardi Gras, of course, the Zimmern team and Keller Williams. Uh, but the new friend is somebody who I knew the name. I had heard you speak before, but I had never met you in person. You actually come with Danny this morning, so I should be suspicious. Uh, but Scott Remington, <laughs> who is a partner at Clark Partington and also the general counsel for Triumph Gulf Coast. Uh, Scott, welcome to the Pensacola Morning News. Thank you, Andrew. Very glad to be here. And I was trying to remember, I don't think I've ever had you on the show, so this is like first time, first time for you, right? Yes, very nervous. Oh, uh, you'll be fine. I want to make sure there's not like a Mike Wallace 60 minutes. <laughs> That's right. Um, we, we haven't and, lost anybody yet. No, and, and so... That's honestly nervous me, a little Andrew. bit. I, I mean, a little bit. Hey, put your mouth right up on top oh, of the mic there. Okay, a yeah. little bit. But there you that's go. Probably because Danny's here. That's yeah. See, <laughs> here's what's funny. I was just explaining this the other day that I talk on the radio for four hours a day. Talking on the radio is easy uh, for me. Uh, some people it terrifies. Uh, going to speak in public, easy for me, no problem. But the times when I have been a guest on somebody else's show or called in occasionally to a show or whatever, terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. You say, how can that be? Well, you don't have any power. It's not, you're not in control. You're not in the environment. It's just a different thing. I totally, you know, I can teach and teach and teach. Sitting in a classroom, raising my hand from a teacher is terrifying. I do it, but it's different, right? Absolutely. Danny, welcome back. Thank you, Andrew. It's great to be here. Good to have you. Uh, everything okay with you? Anything Fan- anything, anything? Mardi Gras coming up? Oh, we're gearing up for the big season. Uh, we, we are partnering with Ascension to do the mall ball. Tickets for that go on sale uh, at midnight tonight. Uh, we'll, we'll send out some emails later today. Everybody can find that on our Pensacola Mardi Gras Facebook page. And then we're doing a big show in the Bay Center on the 26th of January. By the way, the mall ball is the 20th, the 26th of January, uh, it, featuring Flo Rida. Okay. And, uh, we're in the process of, of tying all those details down. But Mardi Gras kicks off on uh, the 12th night, Saturday, January the 6th, and runs through Fat Tuesday, February the 13th. An interesting thing about this year's Mardi Gras, you know, it moves uh, based on Easter. So Fat Tuesday is 47 days before Easter, I think. So it moves. So this is a short season. So the Friday night parade in downtown Pensacola is February the 9th. And uh, and then the Saturday parade is February the 10th. And then February the 11th is the beach parade. And on that day is the same day as the Super Bowl. (laughs) <laughs> well, so, you can you know, beach parades early, yeah, right? It's a day parade, exactly so it's right. fine. You know, no big deal. You can, you you can not to say this happens, but you can get your drink on twice. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. You can double dip on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. That'll be good. So uh, I think the big news from this week, frankly, locally, was uh, the state of the city address that uh, DC gave, and he's been in office for a year now. And I mean, I thought the speech, not just the speech, but the substance that made the speech possible was fantastic scott was your take i I thought he did an exceptional job uh i think i think prior mayors have probably had similar messages to deliver but haven't been able to have the platform or haven't used the platform that dc used with the civicon and the partnership with the pnj and we broadcast it on the air right really i didn't i I watched it uh, and i think that civicon has done so much for this area Mm -hmm. and educating people I mean, once again, kudos to Quint Studer for bringing something to Pensacola that we was desperately needed. And I think, um, I think 
also DC's time with Quint was probably pretty influential. Yeah, I think he says it on on his right uh, term as mayor. But so far, everything looks very good. Did, you know, I couldn't things. remember, and my wife says she thought there were. I didn't think there had been previous state of the city addresses at all. But do you guys remember? Have there been? Did did Ashton or Grover? And I don't think DC did one last year. Did he? He he did a. Early on, he did a kind of state of the city. Did yes. he? Okay, he, then I had for but, completely forgotten. But so. nothing quite like this. Right. And, I, and as Scott said, I think he knocked it completely out of the park. It's just wonderful having a 39-year-old mayor with the six-year degree in Quint Studer and a, <laughs> right. and a 38-year degree in Jim Reeves, you know. And he uh, adding data to his decisions and not making them emotional mm-hmm. typically helps make good decision and it's amazing they 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 brought in a couple of grant people to hunt for grants and 72 million i think i mean they only locked down you know three quarters of 100 million dollars for <laughs> for right. grants i mean not too shabby first year right but he make i think dc makes fantastic decisions based on data not just emotions and i think that's really really great don't don't tell me show me kind of right uh, and by the way, I got a text in uh, here at four three seven sixteen twenty that uh, both uh, Ashton Hayward and Grover did state of the city addresses. So it's my bad memory, which uh, should tell you a lot of things you want to know. So uh, I'll, well, I apologize to both of them well, for that. Well, DC covered a lot, and there is a lot. Yeah, he, he has so many different projects, and he's gotten the staff all on board and. Uh, you know, everybody's rowing in the right direction for the city of Pensacola. The the thing, and I talked about this. Sorry, go ahead, Scott. You look. I was just going to say, I don't. You know, the fact that we don't remember them doesn't mean they didn't happen. Right. You have to remember. You know, Grover, I think, brought us the weekly press conferences. That's right. And you know, Ashton, which was a fix of Ashton's kind of. You know. Not showing up city council, not doing. I mean, he talked well, to me, but really didn't talk to anybody else. And you know, even though I liked the fact they talked to me, I thought it would have been better for you to talk to more media folks, right? I, but I think I think Ashton was a transformational mayor in many ways. I think all three of these mayors. Remember, Ashton was our first strong mayor mm-hmm. and was was kind of learning on the job. And so were we. So were we. Uh, Grover came in, and Grover had COVID to deal with, yeah. which was a significant significant thing for a leader of any organization particularly something as big as the city right. and to keep us on track for that and now dc i think is is taking advantage of the lessons from ashton and grover what he's learned with quint and um and again civicon i don't i don't think either mayor had that platform to get the message out as widely as dc did and one time. of the you know just uh, for a, a, a maybe remember a note or a, you know a, a, a premise for the grace a little bit with grover is it wasn't just covid it was this wildly divisive political environment that grew in part out of the Trump presidency, was already there to some degree, but grew out of that and then was even more amplified during COVID and post-COVID. So, you know, and I know for him, a lot of stuff that he had to deal with just weren't, wasn't fun. Right. <laughs> you know, really profoundly unfun stuff. And so I, I, you know, I give him a lot of grace for not even running for re-election. Like, I wouldn't, I can understand all that. You yeah, know? absolutely. And, I, you know, I think, it, it, it's all working out. Grover worked very hard to make the city of Pensacola feel good, right? You know, and happy, and he did a good job of that. And I mean, transparent. You know, again, things you learn in the first mayor, you know, mayor's term, and then you know, second mayor's term, and you, you know, you you grow and you improve and all that. And uh, the one thing about uh, DC, and I'll get your comment right after we do a traffic here, but. I, I say a lot, and I feel I feel like I'm being condescending when I say making adult decisions because you know he's late thirties. That's not what I mean. I just mean that. The decisions seem to be born of the data, and the decisions seem to be the responsible business owner kind of, we're going to make this project work and thrive decisions that 
no politician ever wants to make because they're going to make some people unhappy, maybe a lot of people unhappy, but they're the right decisions to make based on the money and the deferred maintenance and all that. We'll talk about that in a second. So this is, he's he's going to, DC is going to get in trouble with some people because he's telling them what they don't want to hear. We can't afford to keep building all of these public amenities and not maintain them. If you want to have more and more all the time, which is going to cost more and more to maintain all the time, uh, you're either going to have to raise taxes. I mean, I don't know what else you're going to do. Get grants, which is a creative alternative, but or start saying no to stuff. Because it's great to have 90-plus parks, but how much does 90-plus parks cost every year to maintain? And that's the challenge that we find ourselves in when it comes to, you know, nobody wants to not replace the broken down play structure at the playground in your local park. But it might make more sense not to spend one hundred and fifty dollars or $250,000 on that particular play structure if the trade-off is, well, there's three other parks nearby you could go to, right? Right. If the Our parks may be what makes us great as a city in the land planning, uh, but if the parks are not in good shape, they become a, a, a drag, right? And right. so, And D.C. is very, very mindful of uh, the budget and, and staffing and ability what to do. And I don't think any city would want dilapidated equipment, dilapidated, you know, the the bridge or whatever you call that down to the bluffs. I mean, that was basically a hazard. Yeah. And it just hadn't been taken care of in forever. And people, you know, I think he's shutting it down. Well, you know, the the inattention or no attention to it all these years has what's what shut it down. And, and you know, I've been down there numerous times, and we all have. And every time you'd go down, there'd be graffiti. You think, oh, no big deal. And then there'd be broken boards. You think, oh, no big deal. And then along comes DC and like, oh, yeah, it's way worse than that. Right. <laughs> you know, right. Our, our, our engineer says it's not safe to be on. And that makes him look bad like he's the bad guy, but he's really the adult saying, you know, the car, the brakes don't work, the engine's about to fail, and uh, it's got no turn signals. You can't drive that car. You know, and I, I, you know, that's, again, that's the responsible adult decision, right? But DC's doing so many good things. You yeah, know, right. It's not Agreed. the shutdown things, it's the n- new development and those grants he's gotten. And I don't really think the community understands how valuable American Magic can be to, to Pensacola and Northwest Florida and, frankly, the region. Uh, you know, if, the, if that uh, America's Cup ends up, you know, if they win, in Barcelona, they get to decide where the next one is. And if they're headquartered here, you know, who knows about that? Uh, right. The world descending on somewhere. But maybe <laughs> it's here and maybe it's not. I don't know. But it's we, exciting to think about. Well, and and it's interesting, the complication of all that. But, uh, you know, we there's a shortage of hotel rooms, and we <laughs> have a bunch of hotels right. sort of, on, uh, you know, on the books. Coming or almost coming or so, just finished. The, there's the Hilton Garden Inn that just got done. They got the new one that got approved yesterday. We got the other new one that got approved recently on Garden. Uh, if we can ever figure out the Grand Hotel, you know, all of those hotel rooms are available at some time theoretically, right? The growth is a big deal. It, it really is. And, I, you know, hotel rooms, I, I know uh, Scott mentioned Quint, all, a friend of all of ours and a friend of this community for sure. And, you know, we talked with Quinn about doing some major events at Maritime Park, and he did a study. And he ba- the study basically, he paid for it out of his own pocket mm-hmm. to see if it would work. And the study basically said there's not enough hotel rooms to yeah. do a, a, a major event like that. So now they're all on the board based on an exciting downtown, I believe, and beautiful white beaches, all that combined. And, of course, the sweetness of our 
citizens. <laughs> <laughs> so, Scott, I know one of the things that you're interested in is like the the Sun Trail, the connectivity, the possibility of rejuvenating some of that downtown area around Main Street. You know, Bayfront's going to go through a redesign at some point and, you know, provide sheltered bike lanes, walking path, cut down the median a little bit, all that kind of stuff. That's, to me, that's just more of the what people seem to want in a modern community, right? I think that's right, and I, I think when you talk about parks and infrastructure, everything's about balance, right? The The way we're going to pay for things in the future is by growth. The city's got to grow. We need more people. We need more jobs. We need a better economy from the private sector to help the public sector pay for the things that uh, the p- people want, and it's a balance that you have to maintain. And I think that's one thing that Civicon has done for us is, it's you know, Quint has brought in experts in all of these areas mm-hmm. to teach us how to try to find the right balance. How to, how to grow without, without destroying yourself in the process. But it's and working. I, it is. You I, cannot I deny. And, 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 and even, you know, even the parts where I have friction with the, the mayor over, you know, what's the appropriate tr- solution for parking, which is a big problem. Um, parking even, is a good problem. Uh, yes. And how we handle it, that's the challenge. But, you know, hearing from all these Civicon folks, you get this – I don't know, incredible free public education on, you know, modern city management and thinking about things like building codes and thinking about zoning and parking and traffic management and, you know, height restrictions or not. I mean, you know, it's it's a completely comprehensive picture of the way a city can be can be built, right? Can be built smart. Exactly. Absolutely. I, I actually uh, was, a, was a part of the downtown improvement board used to manage parking before it rolled into the city, mm-hmm. which is a much better solution, candidly. But um, it, and so I was involved when Dr. Shoup came here. The 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 guy who knows the most about parking of anybody in the world, and that who would think that, right? But the philosophy is pretty simple: the most demand spaces should be the most cost, and and where there's no demand, less cost, and you have a choice where you want to park, and then you have to use the parking money for the community and put it back in and keeping the streets clean and, and keeping the area clean. So all that's working. D.C. understands all that, and his team understands all that, and the city is is being very responsible in managing it. But it is not popular, there's no doubt about it. Well, but and, and I think that the parking is going to come down to a public-private balance, right? We've got lots of public spaces. We've got lots of private spaces. And one thing that's been we've seen over the past Can, can I tell you my prediction on that? I, I think that most of those private lots are going to go away. They're not going to not be private lots, but I think they're going to be city-managed. Yep. I think oh. that the goal is long-term to replace the red signs with blue signs and integrate it all under one umbrella. And so they'll still be private, but they're not going to be separate, uh, you As know, I think is the goal anyway. I, I don't know. I'll tell you this. The, the What the red lots have done that I think has been great for downtown is you have private lots that have become available to public in empty hours. When they weren't just roped off. When they're not just roped off, right. you mean? Correct. And, and, so, and it's true, you know, as much as the red lots get grief for the tactics and a lot of the things about how they've done business, um, the other side of that is, but there is parking and some people are willing to pay for it. And that's better than not having parking at all, right? Absolutely. And and if you go to, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a Gulf Coast guy. So if you go to Mobile, you go to New Orleans, there's red lots everywhere. I mean, you know, they're, they're kind of the dominant player on the, the Gulf Coast. And I got to say, you know, they've been here for a while and had one app and the city's about to be on app number three or app number four. Right. Yeah. So if if, if the city's going to have that type of dominance, they're going to have to up their game 
uh, and beat the private sector. And that's, you know, the balance that we see in most things. Right. Usually the private sector is able to outperform the public sector, but we'll see. And that, and that's just, you know, again, I, I don't mean this to be like the half hour of how awesome D.C. is, but, you know, it's fair to give credit where credit is due. And one of the things that I particularly appreciate about him is saying, look, I didn't cause the parking problem. It's not my fault. I don't own these lots. I don't have any authority over these lots. Nevertheless, what can I do to help? You know, what can I, and that's kind of an across the board approach of, you know, the business owner, right? You know, something's broken. Well, ultimately that's my job, you know, even if I didn't make it happen, I can still make it better. Well, the big picture to that parking deal, this goes way back, but the big picture to that is the downtown overlay district allows a hundred percent discount in parking requirements by the property owners. So you could put a restaurant downtown with no with just the four corners of the restaurant and zero parking and the public is supposed to absorb that right. in the public. That's to help develop that. Another DC attribute, perhaps, but he's getting uh, folks to let's relook at the land development code. Right. I mean, if you built out by Cordova Mall, you've got to have basically one parking place for every 250 square feet of building. It depends a little bit on if you have customers, if you have what your staff, but at some point you've got to have parking. Downtown, you have none. Where you have more density, more cars, and more demand, right? Here's this 1,500 square feet. I'm going to have <laughs> right. 300 people come through the door every day, and I'm not providing one parking place. I mean, and that's that, complicated, but we want more places downtown to work, and so it creates more demand on those parking places. Absolutely. Let's get a quick traffic break. Uh, Jake's got traffic on the fives. All right. Not too bad out there right now. 98 westbound through Oriole Beach uh, through the Naval Preserve is a little bit slow this morning. Highway 90 through Milton and Pace uh, is actually looking pretty good. I-10 and I-110 checking in clear. Highway 80 not showing any delays. This report is brought to you by 200 South Tap House, where the neighborhood plays. Uh, Casino Beach presents a locals loyalty turkey toss party Saturday, November 18th at 11 a.m. benefiting Mana Food Pantries. There's going to be live music contest and prizes. Visit uh, go to visitpensacola.com for details. 92.3 informative, local, dependable. Thanks so much, Jake. Andrew. So I think what we ought to do is have available parking spaces updates in downtown. Like I can do it live for you, yeah. you know, in the morning, yeah. you know, just like we do traffic, we can There's do a, a space parking space. There's a space in front of, you know, There's a space available in front of the a guard party. The gas is 285 at the Murphy, and uh, traffic right. on Nine Mile Westbound right. is a little backed up right there by Palafox, <laughs> and I know there's a space at the corner. <laughs> right, exactly. I think <laughs> it'd be perfect. A, oh, I love that. So uh, we'll finish on something a little bit fun. Um, I can't help but notice, Scott, that you're wearing a, um, uh, a fleece. This is not a, fun. A fleece that has... Um, I don't know, some maroon, black, white icon that seems reminiscent of an Indian tribe of some kind or something. Right. Is that right? I, I'm absolutely uh, no-blooded right here. <laughs> yeah, How many generations got, of uh, Seminoles? Uh, my parents met at FSU. I met my wife at FSU, and my daughter, oldest daughter graduated from FSU last year. So, so everything good in your life, or bad in your life, is tied to FSU, <laughs> one way or the other. Is that right? Every, everything good. Everything, everything good. good. All right. I have very, very fond memories yeah, but, of Tallahassee. But don't but let Danny? it go that they've got to come through Gainesville and play the Gators at home on Saturday night of Thanksgiving, next weekend after Thanksgiving. Really the, wish that was a noon game. What's, yeah. what's Florida ranked? Uh, they're not ranked. Okay. They haven't been... They haven't been <laughs> Yeah, they haven't been ranked in many years. But look, we all feel good about it. neither has Auburn. I mean, come on now. It's fine. All right, I'll but take no, it. Nobody wants to go to the swamp at night. Yeah, yeah. no, that's um, that's going to be something. Are you excited? I mean, is it, how does it feel? It's been a while. Uh, it, it's it's very exciting. It's nice. Um, 
it's nice to, to win, and it's really nice to watch the kids in the program and, and how Norvell's developed them. He is, seems to be just an excellent person and a great coach. And uh, also, we would be remiss if we didn't mention that tomorrow, Delta State, we've got uh, UWF is traveling to Delta State for the first round of the playoffs this year. We just had a, mi- a moment ago where we got to meet a former player from the uh, the championship team, but uh, go Argos tomorrow. Danny Zimmern and uh, Scott Remington, great to meet you, Scott. Great to have you, Danny, as always. Thanks for the time, guys. Thank you. You're listening to News Radio 92.3, WNRP Golf Breeze, Milton, Pensacola.